Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Barbie Layton. She is an energy healer, an international best-selling author, a galactic cheerleader, and a motivational speaker. Welcome, Barbie. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today, and I'm happy to have you here. I'm looking forward to jumping in. Me too. Thank you, Brad. I'm looking forward to speaking to you in Ontario from California. <laughs> How is your day going so far? It's awesome, and I'm super happy to be here. Excellent. Well, thank you. I am so excited to have you here and can't wait to jump in. So let's do exactly that. So in addition to those things I mentioned off the top, you're also the host of your own TV show on the Best You mm-hmm. TV called You Are Amazing. And yes. you're also huge on manifestation. And last but not least, you are a life flow coach. So that is a hell of a lot of hats you wear and quite an extensive <laughs> resume, Barbie. How on earth do you find the time for all of this? And how important is prioritization and organization to you? And how do you stay on top of things? Well, here's an interesting thing. I'm a list girl. You know, I remember okay. I used to love yeah. that song from the Go-Go's. I am a girl of a hundred lists. Like I used to love like, you know, <laughs> making the, the list and doing the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You cross it off, cross it off, cross it yeah. off. But what I found is that once I stayed into the intuitive manifestation spaces, I work in whatever my flow is in the moment. So I'll make my to-do list, but then I will go like, you know, for someone who's very OCD, it's totally sacrilegious to go down to number eight, but it's like number eight, I'm in the mood in the moment to do number eight on my list as opposed to going one through 10. So by doing that, what I found was the fact that I was giving my best energy to the things that I was doing in the moment, as opposed to make it like a chore, what was a to-do list. So that's a really important thing. So like, for example, even you know, like when I ask for guests and things like that, I do what I call a creation bubble with that, which in, in ancient times have been called a prana ball, a chi ball, whatever you want. In martial arts, they use those actually as weapons of where you okay. make an energy ball in the middle of your hands and you can actually feel it. And then I put myself and the other person and what my happy end result is of them wanting to come onto my show or wanting to share their message or whatever else. And then I send that off into the universe and then I detach from the outcome. But what I've found is that people can, and, and you might even find this yourself too. You can feel the energy behind an email, even though it's like inanimate words and things like that. We had to create emojis to be able to have people to be able to extrapolate as to what the meaning was behind it, because those words will have a coldness to it. So if people are just shooting off emails, but they're angry, a lot of times you can almost feel the heat coming off an email that you can feel the anger coming towards you. But if you're getting a nice, beautiful email from me that has just been sent with love and it's like, Hey, I would love for you to come onto my, my TV show and, you know, share your message, et cetera. They open that email and it's almost like, to me, I, I imagine like there's like perfume and flowers that comes out of the, the computer and they're like, Ooh, this is a cool email. Yes. And then they say, yes. And it's just, I, I really feel like it happens like that. I know that sounds so bizarre, but it, I it love really it. is the intentionality of the sense of where I'm honoring the person that I'm sending the message to 
but I'm in a particular frame of mind or frequency that I'm then sending it directly. I love that. I was just going to say, you send that off with intention and then it's like they open yes. the email and it hits them in the face. It's like yes. all this beauty coming through the email. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I, I don't think it. people think about email like that because again, no. I really think it's an important thing that if you're, if you're pissed off, you don't send emails off. It's Absolutely. a really good idea to take a moment and then really, you know, but that, again, that's why we have emojis. Yeah, 100%. That's right. Yeah. You never, ever send an email when you're pissed off because, (laughs) you know, just step back, calm yourself, think about it for a few minutes, and then go back to it when you're not angry, for sure. Mm -hmm. So I'm very curious, Barbie, being a serial entrepreneur and wearing all the hats that you do, what does your morning routine look like? Okay, so I'm kind of old school in the sense of where, you know, everybody has got their Google calendar and everything's digitized and it's all organized. And my project manager gets annoyed with me because you know I have post-its and shoe boxes and I have different <laughs> like you know I, I have one of those old school 1950s calendar books that has you know from 7 a.m until 7 p.m at night yeah. with the little things on it so that's my bible it's like whatever's in the book is basically how my whole entire day is going to go so that's really the important thing I like pen to paper I mean it's been proven that you know you use the creative side of your hemisphere of your brain when you're writing actually by hand and when you're typing you use the other one that's more analytical right and I was in Carmel California a beautiful city and I was in this beautiful shop that had all of these beautiful like Mont Blanc pens that were like $25,000 and things like that and I was asking the guy behind the counter I said who buys these usually and he said oh it's mostly the Silicon Valley people because they want to be able to you know shift off with their brains so that they can have more of the creativity of doing the actual handwriting into a journal so hmm. my morning routine is really focused on the fact that whatever's in the book is what I will then focus on but if it's not in the book, then I don't. And so it's in a sense, it almost becomes kind of like a really true flow where it's already laid out for me the day before. And even like when I used to go into an office every single day, I'm a person that I put very um, thoughtful ideas into my wardrobe for the next day. I I consider the idea that we have this body that we carry around, that's our vehicle, but we can adorn it. We're not just dressing it, we're adorning it. Therefore, Mm. it's like, I will put out an outfit and I will decide okay, this is the mood that I want for tomorrow. I'll pair it with jewelry, with shoes, with, you know, hosiery, whatever I'm, I'm doing, you know, hair, makeup, colors, et cetera. But by Holy putting it out shit, the night that's before, intentional, Barbie. <laughs> but putting it out the night before, I don't have to think about it in the yeah, morning. I'm not true. having to distract myself with stupid stuff. Like what am I wearing today? Cause I've already <laughs> had it laid out for me. So it's those kind of things of where I like, it's almost like my future self comes forward to do that. Like, I don't know how many times in the last couple of years, especially, I mean, that's probably my, literally my downfall is I'm a clutter bug. So it's like, my place is not, you know, architectural digest or better homes and gardens. <laughs> like it is like Dumbledore's bookstore. I've got books everywhere. But what I found was that my future self bought all these books that then I would hear about and I never read them. And then I would say, oh, that book sounds really cool. And then it's on my freaking bookcase and I'm yeah. ready to read it. So those are the kind of cool things of where it's like, you kind of like hook yourself up from the future to be able to bring your current self there. I love it that, you know, there's just something about putting pen to paper though. It's just mm-hmm. call it old school, call it whatever you want, but there's just something more powerful in that as opposed to sitting typing at a computer for sure. I mean, I make notes when I'm listening to my podcast interviews and I'm editing, I, I handwrite all my notes and mm-hmm. I've always done that. It just, it feels better to be handwriting. It does. But I also found too that... <laughs> My handwriting isn't as pretty any longer because I don't do it as often. <laughs> so I'm sitting there like doing, you know, cursive writing. And, you know, and children today who are learning at school, they don't even know cursive. Cursive is literally like a foreign language to them. So yeah. that's something of where I think the, the beauty of just the whole thing and the script and then 
when I went to high school, I was an exchange student in Austria my junior year, and I fell in love with the fountain pen. Like to me, mm-hmm. the fountain pens with the cartridges yeah. and just the, oh my God, I love fountain. And they have disposable fountain pens now and I found them on Amazon. So I use those all the time. And it really just adds a certain level of beauty when you have that ink that just kind of goes out very beautifully. For sure. I would have to agree with you 100%. So keeping with this same line of, of being a serial entrepreneur, have you always had that entrepreneurial bug within no. you, Barbie? No, 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 okay. no, no, no. I worked a government job for over two decades. Actually, my grandmother, my Oma, she worked for the Ontario government for oh, okay. more than four decades. They were immigrants from Latvia and Germany. Mm-hmm. And actually, they gave her five retirement parties because they loved her so much, which wow. was really cool. <laughs> but it's something of where I had this idea that I needed to trade my time for money. The idea of entrepreneurship in a lot of ways is terrifying because you never know. I mean, I look at people who are real estate agents and there's feast or famine. They sell five houses in one month, but then they have nothing for three months or then yeah. the economy goes down. So there's a lot of things that go into that. But I think, you know, I really had this concept of trading your time for money. Every month I have my bills. Every month I have my bills. And I know that even, you know, I was married in the late 90s and my ex-husband and I we ended up being house poor because basically I hadn't budgeted for you know a lot of stuff other than what the house was so we had a beautiful right. pool and a jacuzzi and a fireplace and all the cool stuff but we couldn't go anywhere we couldn't buy anything you know couldn't buy any yeah. food because this is pretty <laughs> much your house poor so I, I just realized that I wanted to have a steady paycheck you now slow and steady wins the race slow and steady wins the race that was kind of my whole philosophy you know to be able to be that in that space But then 2019 was like this really pivotal year for me in the sense of where I started shifting where I'd always been a Mind Valley person, like since the beginning of when they had been around. But then they restructured the whole entire thing where they added a lot of different things. And so I I listened to, you know, a lot of different instructors that Vishen Lakhiani brought along talking about manifestation and looking at abundance mindset and like shifting that. And then, you know, Naveen Jain, the billionaire was with SpaceX. He came on there and just started talking about the power of boldness and how you know, he came to the United States with $27 in his pocket and he could barely speak English. And now he's a, you know, worked with Bill Gates and I mean, all these different things. And you're just going, wow, there are yeah. such exemplary, amazing people out there. But he talked about the boldness aspect of it. And so I feel like in the last like two, two and a half years, I almost feel like I got an MBA from Harvard with all the things having to do with Mind Valley and then the different people that I've made connections with. And it's been amazing, but it's still the whole thing. I mean, it, it is, if you want to be an entrepreneur, I really feel like in a lot of ways, it has to be that like Napoleon Hill talks about and thinking grow rich has to be that white hot burning desire. There's yeah. a certain level of, of obsession of where it's like, you really, really have to want to be able to pull this vision forward. And, you know, with all the things of where I noticed that so many people that had started with me, they just kind of fell off because I don't know if they didn't believe in what they were doing or it was just too much work, but I never gave up. I never, you know, I continue to do this every day. I mean, in a lot of ways, since the pandemic, I have really almost taken no days off and it's something of where, but, but I know that I shifted my mindset and the idea of where it's like, I get to do these amazing podcasts. I get to interview people on my show. I get to, you know, be in these amazing, you know, spaces with people that are changing the world and, and doing amazing things. I mean, and that's the part about it too, is that I think that with the serial entrepreneurship too, I'm open to pretty much everything if it resonates for me vibrationally. So. So for example, I had the great fortune of where when we became international bestselling authors, we had four billboards in New York Times Square, which was just mind blowing yeah. July of this year. And then I was in the hotel in the, in the W in Times Square and the bellboy was talking to me and he's like, oh my God, you know, you're on billboards. Oh, I've got to go check them out. <laughs> and, you know, we were just having this really nice conversation going up to the 55th floor. But then this guy jumped into the elevator and he had this cute little Pomeranian dog. And I just, you know, hello, how are you? 
And then he heard what was happening. And there was this whole NFT conference happening that weekend that we arrived there. I mean, it was just like Madonna and Snoop Dogg and there's just all these like cool like activities going on too. So it was like simultaneously all these different things. So this guy goes, what, what are you talking about? What's going on? What are you doing? And I said, oh, so we struck up a conversation and he's this lovely, I mean, he's one of the top 10 NFT guys in the world. Mm-hmm. And so we struck up this friendship and then he's walking me out to Times Square and we're looking at billboards and here and there. And now we're having an opportunity for us to be able to do business together. And that's something of where it's like NFT in the metaverse is not anything in my lexicon. I don't know anything about it. Like, even if he tries to explain web three to me, I'm like, it's Greek. (laughs) I have no idea, but it feels right because the energy is right because of the fact that business wise and, but it was this totally beautiful divine connection of where by having been in the right place at the right time with the right person, he and I have, you know, developed this friendship and now a business relationship of where it then goes into different directions. And so I think it's really being open and willing to follow the breadcrumbs, to follow whatever the strings are. And if you find that you're at a dead end with something, you need to stop and stop giving an energy to that. But if it's something that really has juice and it could be something that's revolutionary to the world or you have this mission or this grand purpose, I think everybody, anyone who's in your audience right now, it's like, if that's you and you find that there's something that really, really makes your heart sing, follow it, follow those, follow those strings. We have to, absolutely. You have to, like you said, follow those breadcrumbs for sure. Mm-hmm. Barbie, what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and keep pushing and excelling at all that you do? So I think the most important part for me is the fact that I do not have a perfect life. It's nothing of where I think in our society, a lot of times the social media, the TV, it looks like everything's, you know, photo shoots and billboards and smiles and, you know, awards and things like that. And the reality is the fact that I want to bring a realness to what I'm doing. I want to have that authentic connection with people. I don't do business with people that I don't resonate with them or things like that. But I think the most important part is the fact that I have been so taken down by so many people in my life that have literally kind of marginalized me, pushed me to the side, told me that it was too much, you know, whatever, whatever. It's very difficult to fit in when you're very unique. And as a result, people don't know how to put you. They want to put you in a box or they don't want you in the box at all. And so as a result from that, I feel like, you know, when I read the the diary of Anne Frank, one of the things that she says at the very end of the book is that despite everything, I know that mankind is good. Yeah. And that's a really bold statement in the sense of where, you know, from everything that happened in World War II. And so to me, it's like, that's the part about me in the sense of where I've seen the absolute ugliness of human beings when they're going into that bullying or scapegoating or when they treat people horribly. And then I've absolutely seen the very best of human beings. So what drives me is that I have kind of this overarching mission that I call the kindness revolution. And so far I have 30 countries that have already participated, Haiti, parts of South Africa, Europe, Australia. Australia, India. I am a global citizen. I have friends and people that I know from all over the world. I have clients from all over the world too. And I want the opportunity to be able to have all of us be able to see the humanity within ourselves. And that's so important in the sense of we're like, for example, I met these amazing billionaires from Egypt when I was nominated for the Tony Shea Award last year in Las Vegas. And I was talking to the CEO and his partner, and I found out all this amazing stuff about modern Egypt that I didn't know anything about. And I love that because when it goes human to human, heart to heart, a lot of the things that we're told about, you know, other cultures or other things on the news are completely these these narrow constructs. They're almost like caricatures of societies and cultures. But when you speak to someone who comes from that background or they are from that country or they've had this experience from there, you're able to then heart to heart connect with them. And then you have a completely different philosophy about the other person. They're not the other any longer. They don't, they're not stereotyped. And so that really drives me in the sense of where it's like, 
You know, I mean, I have Spanish speaking friends. I have Japanese speaking friends. It's something of where that really, really drives me because I feel like eventually people talk about the first world and the third world and we're on one world when you really think about it. And I'm really blessed that I'm going to be in Ignite Humanity, a book compilation that's being done by J.B. Owen and Ignite Publishing that's going to have the Dalai Lama in it, which is amazing. And then I just got named for Hoinser Group in um, Albania. They have an international magazine called Queens 2022. So I've been named one of the world's 100 most influential global leaders. Um, Congratulations. That's huge. Thank you. But it's it's the, the part about it of where it's like, I think people are so kind of, it's the homogeneity of where a lot of people, you know, they say the birds of a feather flock together and there's nothing wrong with that. But by the same token, that's one of the things I always loved about Canada. I mean, I've been to Canada like 16, 17 times because right. of my family being lived there, but I love the fact that they had a Baltic house and you had the people that, you know, are from Greece. They would have, you know, like a cultural headquarters of where they yeah. could have the ability to express their Greek heritage. And you guys are really, really good about that. Whereas here in the United States, I don't really see a lot of that. There's not a lot, of, unless you belong to a certain kind of a church that really right. doesn't exist. But you guys really have that blend in the sense of where it's like you're Canadian, but then you can be French Canadian, and then you can be a yeah. Scotch Canadian. Or I love that, and and that that was just something that to me it really shaped my worldview. And I've lived in Asia a year. I lived in Europe for a year. I've, li- I've been every single state in the United States. I've been to the Hawaiian Islands, Alaska, I've been to over 35 countries, but that to me in the sense of where it's like being a global citizen, you just learn that like according to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, everyone truly has the same exact needs as a human to be seen and heard, loved and accepted. They're literally the most important thing. I was just going to say that, you know, I mean, Canada, yes, we are a huge melting pot, but when it comes down to it, when we boil it right down, all anybody wants as a human being is to be seen and heard and it's not that hard of a concept open your ears but when i say listen i mean really listen like actively listen this is how we learn this is how we expand this is how we grow as people listening Mm -hmm. to other people sharing Mm -hmm. opinions sharing thoughts it's not it's not we're having conversation to change someone's mind it's no how about we open our minds and just take in those other opinions and maybe that shifts your thinking just a little bit Right. Yes. That's and, and what that's it's about. Absolutely. And that's something I was just on the neuroscience summit this last weekend with the Los Angeles Tribune. And I was speaking about neuroplasticity. You know, that's why I have so many books. Like I'm a total like science and data nerd and I like to look <laughs> at a lot of those things. But it's that part about what you're talking about is that we have to update our software all the time. Yes. That's why when I was talking about the Egyptians, like when they were telling me things about modern day Egypt, it was like mind blowing. I was like, wow, that's so cool. Yeah. Because, you know, people have this opinion. Um, you know, they told me that Women were able to drive in Egypt when driver's license were given out. And that's something that I would never have have known before. Because I thought it was something like in Saudi Arabia where women weren't allowed to drive. So it's like, but now I've updated my neuroplastic brain has now updated my idea going like, wow, Egypt is a lot more progressive than I thought it was. And then from the perspective of, and I was even, you know, I speak a lot of this with my clients too. It's like, you know, a lot of times you can see people get very, very stuck because they have a hairstyle that they really liked in 1984, but they continue (laughs) to have that hairstyle in 1984 because they decided that they got frozen in time that that's when they thought that they looked the best, but it's the trying on the new hairstyle. That's the trying on like, if you want a new car, you need to go test drive the car that you want so you can feel what it feels like. If you want a house, you need to go to an open house to go, you know, step into that house and see what it feels like to be in there. If you like to go to nice hotels and things like that, go hang out in the lobby for a couple of hours to feel what it feels like to be there because it doesn't cost anything for any of those things. Yeah, but exactly. by being able to embody yourself in that em- environment, you've then kind of like 
you've entrained yourself of what it feels like to be in that same frequency of what it is that you are desiring, what it is that you're wanting to go forward for. And so having that ability in the sense of where, you know, I mean, I lived in South Korea in the 1990s. I was a teacher there for an English academy. And the place that I was, you know, Korea was very much like not as sophisticated as it is now with all the tech and all the beautiful architecture. So it was very much old school the way it had been for hundreds of years. You know, like I was there in 1995, 1996. I would guarantee you that if I go back, it doesn't look anything like what it is. But in my memory, I only have the 1996 version in my memory. But if I then update it, even if I look on Google Maps or I look on something else and see where I lived and where you know the places are, by updating your information on a regular basis and being open to it, like you said, you're not trying to change someone else's mind. But if I can hear information that then allows me to reanalyze why I have a certain position or in a certain opinion on that, if I'm open and malleable to being able to change that, I just think that makes me a better person because then I don't have a wall up the state's like, okay, well, this is what I believed all the time. And this is what I believe today. And this is what I'm going to believe tomorrow. Because that's where people I think get really, really stuck because they're yeah. not willing to update their software. Yeah. They're not going to progress. And that's it. Mm -mm. We need to have an open mind and be able to listen to other people. But you know what? So many people are so busy trying to ram their opinions and thoughts down other people's throats that they don't take the time to listen. Uh huh. No, you're absolutely right. And you're not going to get anywhere like that. No. And that's why I'm one. The two roles on my TV show are I don't talk about religion and I don't talk Mm -hmm. about politics. Yeah. Those are killers in the sense of where it's like, I don't want to be on any, I don't even care who who people vote for, what they're, I don't care. That to me is like, completely a personal thing. And I think we should really kind of take that out of the conversation, a lot of things. And then the other part too, is that I don't do any ambush questions. I, I yeah. don't like the provocateurs who set their guests up to be able to put them in like, you know, uncomfortable positions. Yeah. I always want to be edifying and honoring for the person as opposed to having them feel like there's going to be a gotcha moment. For sure. So I want to shift gears a little bit here, Barbie. When did okay. you realize you had the gift of being an energy healer and an intuitive? And did you struggle internally at all to understand and realize the gifts you had? Or was it easy for you to embrace them personally? So I realized that, you know, when I really went through my memory banks, when I was two years old, I have memory in the sense of my mother put me down for a nap and I could somehow see the blood and the bones in her body. Like I could see an x-ray of her. And it was like, I saw this stuff moving inside of her. And I told my mom that. And she's like, no, you can't. So I, I just like turned it off. But then as I was getting older, what I realized was the fact that a lot of times my mood, I'm a very big personality. I have a lot of, when I'm in a room, people know that I'm in a room. It's not anything that I can help. I just have a really big energy field. And so when I was in a really good mood, people would love me at parties. It's like, oh, when you're here, everything's great. But when I was in a bad mood, everybody would kind of like me, people would get fights, it would get really, really negative. So I started to feel like this, responsibility that like, oh my God, it's like, I'm responsible for these people's emotions and how things are going to go out there. And so it became kind of this thing of where I had to start turning the volume down. It's like, for me, I never had the issue of like, I'm not enough because I always felt like I have a certain level of self-esteem that I've always had, but my issue has always been you're too much. And so I would have a lot of telekinetic experiences where if I was angry, I mean, I remember having to go through tons of light bulbs because they would shatter on a regular basis, stuff flying across the room. I remember when I broke up with somebody, like the phone caught on fire. I was thinking about him. What? Phone. Yes. A little flame actually caught on fire and I took it back to Best Buy and they're like, yeah, that's not on the warranty. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so I've had these like very strange things of where, you know, I have this gift somehow that is out there. And I mean, it's not like, you know, carry or fire starter type of thing. I mean, yeah. I guess those would be, those would be like the really extreme parts of it, <laughs> but I 
didn't know how to control it. I had no idea. It was like, I had no training. Nobody trains you on how to be able to do that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, you're just kind of out there doing whatever, but you know, boyfriends and people would be like, Oh, I know that's just you. That's just the stuff that happens around you. And, you know, and ghost hunting. And it would always be that the ghost would want to come and touch me and talk to me and that kind of stuff. And either. So it would just, that kind of weird stuff that happened. But in the last few years, I learned some techniques. I took some courses from people in the sense of how to actually channel it specifically into turning it into a laser focus. Because I mean, I've always had people that have come to me and just said, you know, you can take your advice to the bank. I mean, there's something that I can sometimes see in the sense where I almost see like chess pieces of where I can see different people and how this is going to happen. And then when those things happen, you know, and that's why I'm a really good coach and mentors because I can right. help see people like the six paces coming down the pike as to what they need to be able to focus on. Yeah. But by being able to then in the last few years do this professionally, as opposed to just kind of like, you know, on the side to help people out the manifestations of what people were manifesting. I mean, it literally blew my mind. I mean, it was like multi-million dollar homes in England, remissions from medical issues that literally were considered incurable, having the opportunity to, I, I had a, a co- healer that I worked with in the UK, who we ended up helping a lady who couldn't conceive a baby for six years. She gave birth to a live baby on December 24th on Christmas Eve Holy and had a little shit. Santa at. Yeah. I mean, this kind of stuff. And it's like, and I'm not what's called a medium. I don't do medium. I don't do like, I'm not a psychic. I don't work with dark arts or things like that. I literally just call in source energy yeah. and I allow that fre- frequency to be able to allow me and my client to kind of disaggregate them and with what I call quantum particles. And once I've disaggregated them, then it's almost like I can see, oh, you've got a kitchen sink stuck in your the, here. And oh, you've got this over here. And then I can just pull those things out, send them back to where they do refill them up with light. And then they go out into the world where they're not bogged down by these different things that have been, you know, really, really plaguing them for a long time. It's like kind of taking a virus off of a computer program and then they yeah. can go back to living the life that they want to live. But it's such an honor to me and such a privilege. But the way that I've explained it, since I have clients in the Middle East who are conservative, or I have clients in Australia or Africa, et cetera, is it's the same thing like you and I right now, we are in agreement that we both have electricity. We both are on an internet server and we both have an electronic device, whether we're on 110 or 220 electricity doesn't matter, but it doesn't have a denomination. It's not a pedagogy. It's not a theology. It's just electricity, internet. And so I look at it more like from the perspective of Nikola Tesla, that I'm channeling universal source energy through my gift to be able to help my clients. And I even use a biofield imaging system of where I have them take a photograph of them front and back before and after. Oh. And I don't look at it before I do the session. Yeah. yeah. A lot of chiropractors and Reiki healers and people, they use this. And so by having them take that picture before and after, I can actually see and I, I can actually verify scientifically that what I saw, that what I cleared off of them was in their energy field. And after the session, it's not. Wow. That is powerful. Yeah. I've heard many people say that we as humans have all the tools we need within us to help in healing ourselves. Is this something that you believe in? Do you believe we all have it within us? No, 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 I do not. Um, The reason why is because we're still (laughs) going to go in the corner for a second. So I'm a singer. So I don't know if you remember the song. People who need people are the luckiest people in the world. Wow. 
We have to have people. We need people. We are a touch-deprived society. We need hugs. We need love. We need to be in that space. I don't have everything. I am a healer. I can't heal myself. I can't. If I'm a coach, I still need a coach. Most psychiatrists need another psychiatrist. We right. all need other people to be able to help us. I can see all these beautiful things and help someone out with all this other kind of stuff. And there's parts of my life that are still a complete mess because I can't figure it out. It's my journey. It's my process where someone else can come forward for me and help me out and be like, oh yeah, I got this. This And such and such. That's the most important thing. We need people and we are social creatures. We are social beings. And this last two years having the disruption on that, I mean, hey, don't get me wrong. I am grateful for StreamYard. I'm grateful for Zoom. I'm grateful for all these podcasts, you know, softwares and things like that in the sense of where it enables you and I to connect right now on this space, you know, in two different countries. So I'm grateful for that. But it does not take the place of human contact and touch. It doesn't. Absolutely. And we are, we are touch deprived. I was having a conversation with someone about this just recently and people don't want to be touched. And we've gone completely different direction where it's now people are craving that. Mm-hmm. And we need that. Yes. We're human beings. And yes. And uh, I mean, I'm a very, very affectionate person. I'm a hugger. I'm a person where it's just something to, you know, in a relationship, I'm very, very affectionate. I feel like those are things that are really important because when you have that touch and you have that love in your life, et cetera, everything is magical. Like everything feels better. It tastes better. It, it The colors are brighter. Everything's better. So yeah. that's the part too, in the sense of where, you know, and in our society, we've kind of, you know, with all of these apps that people have and things like that, people have kind of compartmentalized their whole lives in that sense. And they're not really, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to go for this, for this, and over here for this. And for, I mean, apps are great. And it's great for people to meet each other in different spaces. But it's still the essence of our human experience is that, you know, it's so juicy and delicious when we're living in the fullness of it. And I think, you know, that's the part where, you know, I still have pieces that are missing for myself that I am definitely searching for. But I'm also in trust in the sense that when the divine timing, when that's right for me, you know, I've been building an empire for the last couple of years. And so therefore, you know, a lot of times you have to also focus on what you have time for as well. For sure. And thank you, by the way, for sharing your beautiful gift, your voice. Thank you. Well, that song used to make me cry all the time. It was one of my, my mom's favorite was Barbara Streisand. So that song just always used to bring tears to my eyes because it's, it is something of where if you, you know, I mean, you find a lot of times when people get older, they have a loneliness council yeah. in England right now because there are so many elderly people that are by themselves. And it's something of where as a society, it's like, we can't really afford to have that. I mean, that's where people's bodies break down and they yeah. become, you know, brittle and they're something, but you see, like, I have a friend, Diana Wentworth, she's a living legend. She's 81 years old and she's the godmother of chicken soup for the soul. And she dances in her kitchen and she is like just the epitome of grace and poison and elegance. And, she dated Elvis Presley when she was in the fifties. It's like, I just <laughs> love listening to her talk just because, you know, and I'm so blessed to be in her inner circle that I get to meet with her, you know, friends on that sense. But it's something of where a woman like her is such an epitome in the sense of where she just lost her husband a year ago. And she's been so loved her whole entire life. She had two beautiful marriages that lasted, you know, multiple decades. And you can just see that ultimately the people that are truly, truly loved, it's like the the youthfulness of them because it's just that rejuvenation of the body and the soul and the mind and the spirit. It's just that love is, I think to me, one of the most important and is the most powerful frequency in the planet, in the the universe. For sure it is. A loneliness council, that's horrible. Absolutely Mm -hmm. horrible that such a thing even exists. Yeah, I, I agree. It's the worst. And I think that's the part about even... Again, I think it's great that people have their devices and things like that, but even like 
Ahmed, the guy, the billionaire that I met from Egypt, he is actually developing, they have a company called Mountain View and they're developing, I think something, they were the winners for the Tony Shea Award. Okay. And they um, pretty much developed these communities together. So they were servicing, I think, something like 250,000 families in Egypt. But he was saying that they had these like digital portals where you could communicate with your community on different places. But then at some point in time, the app would stop and it would say, okay, you need to go meet this person in person for tennis, for coffee, for yeah. this, for that, whatever. It would literally build it into the system that, okay, you've had all your digital time. But now you need to go meet in person and now go do that. And I was like, wow. And I love the concept in the sense of where it's like the people internationally are doing these concepts of where it's humans first, technology second. I think that we, in the last couple of decades, thought to ourselves, oh, technology first and the human second. But really, I think that's being juxtaposed and flipped now where there are a lot of really amazing companies that, you know, are, are billion dollar companies that are really intentional and in making it of where the technology becomes the tool that facilitates the humanity that is still within us. That's it. We need to get back to that. That's important. That's one piece yes. that's missing. And we need yes. to go back to that for sure. Agree. Barbie, what type of person or client is your ideal client? Like what things do you look for in a potential client before deciding to work with them? Well, first of all, I don't take anyone who's going to make me their guru. I'm not going to have anybody that's going to think that somehow I'm just going to wave a magic wand and make things happen for them. Mm -hmm. So it's a co-creative and a co-elevative and a co-collaborative space that I like to work with. So for example, when I've had six month mentorships with people that they want to get their dream job, if I can always stay within the concept that for them, if they know that all of the criticism or all the things that are going to be constructively coming towards them are going to be always to facilitate the end goal in mind of getting them their dream job. That will change everything because sometimes there are hard conversations that have to be had. And as you know, a, a flow coach and that kind of thing, it's really, really important that they hear the truth. I don't sugarcoat things too. I'm not mean, I'm not rude or abrasive, but by the same token, if I see things that are going to prevent them from getting that dream job, then I have to swoop in right away and clear that from them and say, okay, no, let's regroup. And a lot of yeah. people aren't really used to being spoken to in that direct of a matter because, right. you know, but, but again, it's like, okay, if you always know that the end goal is you get your dream job and then they always get their dream job. So I'm always like, <laughs> okay, yay. You know, then those are great testimonials for me, but I look for the highly motivated CEO or individual who really is pretty much like, you know, they, they've kind of hit a wall in a certain place, but then they want to take it to the next level. So having that ability in the sense of where, you know, like bringing in capital or what's important to me in the sense of where that they can have an end in mind that they want to work on, but ultimately it's going to depend on, on what they bring to me. Right. So I will then have to be able to get into their energy with their permission to be able to see what blocks we need to clear it initially. And then generally I will do either three months, six months or one year packages with people to be able to see how we can help them to grow at that sense. And I just had somebody that, you know, I did a, a four week kind of intensive and they got invited to, you know, a billionaire mastermind that there were only 20 spots for Holy internationally. Crow. So it was like, you know, so, you know, and then they brought in other clients and other things like that. So it's, it's a very intentional space, but you know, this person is a complete like international, you know, world-class person to begin with, but then taking them to the next level that's the part that excites me because I can see it coming forward and then helping them to bring that and even having just like byproducts of it too, in the sense of where having somebody who, you know, like that situation with that client, they had a situation with their son of where they weren't talking and communicating with them. And so I actually had them do a soul gazing procedure on the inner where you just imagine your son in front of you, you hold hands, you look them in the eye for one minute, you just send love to them, you say, I love you, I love you, I love you for, you know, about a minute, do that every day for seven days. And the next week, the son was over with the girlfriend and everything was back to normal. I mean, <laughs> oh, you, you can't, ex 
you can't explain stuff like that. But what happened though, is that by that being in a block, it also carries over into your business. If you're sitting there, you're all stressed out because your kid is like rejecting you. And then you literally cannot, you can't focus where you want to. So what I find is that when you clear all that other BS kind of stuff out of your space, that's like really, really taking up your bandwidth of worry and other things like that. Then all of a sudden your business starts to just take off again because you don't have all of these impediments. And I look at it like lately, a big sign for me in synchronicity has been hot air balloon because I see that as such a perfect metaphor in the sense of where we have all these things that are sandbags that hold us down. But once we clear those sandbags off, it's like you're up in the air and you're flying and go wherever you want, you know? Exactly. I mean, it it spills over into all areas of your life, not just your business, everything when you're blocked. Exactly. Exactly. And that's so that's where for me in the sense of where I ask them to trust me that I'm going to be able to, you know, within those three sessions, six sessions, 12, whatever we do, it's trusting me that, you know, ultimately, I'm going to be the conductor of this, and that I will be able to help them with the different things. But, you know, doing some digging in that sense, too. And even women with, you know, like, like stillborn births or other things like that, where they've had even kind of reproductive trauma and things like that. I've been able to be almost like a spiritual archaeologist where I pull that out in the sense of work because they might have been in agreement with the procedures and things that they did when they were younger, but their body wasn't and there's still trauma with that. And so therefore I help to kind of like clear all of that out. And then they come into their femininity even more powerfully because they're, they're in complete alignment with their bodies. Beautiful. It is such powerful, incredible work. I love it. Thank you. What lights you up or inspires you the most about the work you do, Barbie? Oh gosh, seeing people get what they want. And knowing that I was the person that facilitated that, I was I was listening to um, an interview that I did with someone I just introduced you to. And I was laughing because I hadn't thought about this for a while. But I get these like, you remember Princess Leia with the uh, yeah. R2-D2, the hologram? It was like, yeah. help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my yes. only hope. <laughs> and so I'll get calls from people like from Poland or you know other people. And they're just like, I had a dream. And you were the only one that helped me. You're the only one that can do this, this work for me, et cetera, et cetera. And I had someone who called me and said, you're the only person that can help me out. There was a woman who was working in a hospital and she was having all of these really horrible things happen. And they thought they were going to have to put her in a 5150 for a psychiatric ward. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if she was a doctor or nurse. I'm not sure. But she's like, you're the only person that can help her. And so I did a clearing. I was able to identify everything that was the problem. And then within the next week, she was fine. Like literally no more wow. issues. And unfortunately, a lot of it is like a lot of people who are working in hospitals, they're a lot of, around a lot of radiation things like yeah. MRI machines and x-rays and different things like that. So, yeah. you know, we had some little hacks about how to be able to get rid of like, you know, the EMFs and different things like that. And yeah, it was like absolutely amazing. And then finding out too that, you know, somebody had basically some towers that were built around them and all of a sudden they became really, really sick and they didn't know that and having it where maybe you need to move or you need to find some sort of a, like, you know, an EMF blocking blanket or something that will be able to help you. That's just kind of a little bit of a hack. So what makes me really happy is when I see people that just, you know, their whole lives have shifted. I mean, to see that this lady, you know, had this baby in front of her. And then recently I had a video testimonial from the global events coordinator from Mind Valley. She had fled from Ukraine from the war and she couldn't work properly. She was just out of it. And, um, you know, I just reached out and said, you know, I would love to do a clearing for you. Yeah. And within 30 minutes, you know, she was reset. Like she reset her whole entire life of where it's like, it made a difference where she could go back to doing her workflow. And then I had someone else who is a TV host in Australia who had squamous cell, you know, cancer on her, on her face. And Mm -hmm. 
we did a session and she did a video testimony for me as well. But the doctor was absolutely blown away by the fact that not only is it gone, but it's like she has baby skin again on her face. <laughs> but it was because we went back into memories of things that had been connected to that. And of course, disclaimer, I'm not a doctor. I don't have mm-hmm. a medical degree. I'm a, I have a master's degree in spiritual psychology. So I'm, you know, similar to a therapist. But it's like, these are definitely, I'm not going to say that they're typical results, but that's the thing that really excites me in the sense of where I would say eight out of 10 of my sessions are mind blowing like that of where people, you know, like we'll just say that their whole lives have been reset, you know, it's like press the pause button on these different things. And just last week, I actually just finished what I consider my life's work, which is a, an online course called the science of signs. Okay. And I've actually been able to teach people in the last 10 years you know, it's been random people, but now I want to take it to the masses, how to read the signs that the universe gives you. So, you know, you might hear a recurring song and it reminds you of your grandfather, or you might see a certain number on a regular basis, or you might have, you know, a certain, like I call them moonshot songs. Like whenever a certain song comes on, it's, it's an inkling that tells me that I've just been communicated with by the universe, but I have to acknowledge it. So it's a whole process of acknowledging in gratitude in my body to say, yes, I see that. Thank you for the sign. I appreciate it, but I've tracked them and I've written them down and they actually start to come out as code of where you can actually track the patterns over weeks, months, and years. And from there, you can see dreams that you've had that have come true. You can see things that have told you that, yo, this is a bad thing. You need to stay away from this. You get signs that tell you, oh, this is a positive thing. Keep going with this. If you have the way to be able to actually track that and you can look back at these different patterns and things that are coming forward for you, I mean, that whole hot air balloon that I'm talking about, it's not a sign that came to me until until July. But then like I got off the plane at JFK to go to the New York Times billboards and there was literally on the people mover, the whole hallway was filled with dangling hot air balloons, like the whole hallway. So (laughs) you're just going like a coincidence. Exactly. But it's almost like to me, it's like the, the universe puts on a show for you. Also, yeah. the next thing you know, now it's like there's hotter balloons everywhere. And you're just going like, <laughs> you know, it's not even something that was even in my purview before, but because I'm paying attention and I'm saying thank you and I'm in gratitude for it, you get more and more. And so by being able to read these signs, it got to the point of where going to work, I would see six to seven different signs on billboards, license plates, here, sticker, whatever. And they would spell out a full English sentence in perfect grammar. I mean, this is where it's like, it got really, really intense. So I feel (laughs) like I've never known anyone to do this before. So that's something of where I just, you know, I just finished filming it. And I think it's going to be coming out in the next week, but I cannot wait to hear people who tell me, oh my God, I did this and this has happened. And oh, I got this and this happened. And oh my God, thank you so much. Because that's like, that's what makes me excited is when I know that the things that I have done enable other people to be able to go out and live their best life that 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 makes my heart sing so much and being a super connector between the two of those things those are like my two favorite things in the world yeah being able to facilitate change for people that and i mean you're witnessing transformation right before your very eyes and i don't think there's anything more powerful than that to be honest that is just an incredible feeling to be able to do that and give back and contribute and impact another human being's life in that way is just, it's beyond description. It truly is. Yes. And the part about it too, in the sense of where it's like, before I did a lot of individuals and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that because I was trading my time for money. I used a lot of these techniques in, you know, a, a regular normal job. But what I like now is the fact that because I'm working with a lot of people that are high net worth or CEOs, by being able to do that, if I can help change the culture within the, you know, the company, and I know they've got a hundred thousand people working under them. 
that could change the whole thing. And even yeah. the Hoinsers group too, they work with royalty in the Middle East. And I just did a podcast with Jose Jean, who's in Dubai, works with a lot of Lux brands and a lot of people that, you know, working in the, the Saudi Royals and also you know, the Queen of Qatar. And if you have an opportunity, in my opinion, to be able to be in spaces of where you have people who are making, you know, royal decisions on behalf of their, you know, their, their people, the people that are their subjects in their kingdoms, that can have such lasting implications because it can be millions of people that get transformed because of the fact that you did one session or one package or whatever you did as a program to be able to help, you know, them out with whatever issue that they have. And that to me, it's like, I mean, that's, that's another step in my opinion, closer to world peace. And that I don't take lightly at all. No, absolutely. Barbie, you call yourself a galactic cheerleader. I love that term, by the way. (laughs) Can you share a little bit about that and how you came up with that term? Yeah, it was something in the sense of where, you know, and the audience doesn't know this, but like, you know, you are friends with who was my accountability partner with Vishen Lakhiani's premium mm-hmm. coaching at Mind Valley 2020. So I love Brenda and, yeah. and, and you've known her since junior high. So yeah. I mean, that's again, there's no coincidences nope, that, you know, exactly. there'd be no way that we'd be able to do that. <laughs> but right. it's something of where I love to celebrate other people's wins. I don't have like a hater bone in my body. Like I literally, and I don't care if someone surpasses me. I don't care if they make more money than me. It's like, you know, my whole thing is that like in our group, I thought of ourselves as like, we're at the Kentucky Derby and we're all these multi-million dollar thoroughbred horses. And how fast can you run? How fast can you run? This is let's just go. And it's not even a race. It's just, let's just, just, just run. Just, just yeah. go as fast as you can. And I think from there, when I get really, really excited, and this is the only problem that I have is that I was just the cover girl, or I still am for the cover girl for Get Lit Worldwide Magazine, and they had a Spanish translator. And unfortunately, I, I get where I'm so revved up, like Ken Honda, the Zen millionaire, yeah. he calls me the champagne lady, because he's like, Barbie, you're like one of the only people that I have to, you have to slow down a little bit. But when I get going, I'm like, I'm just off and almost going. But people are so stoked after they get off those calls because it's like the energy that I'm generating, I'm sharing and I'm emanating it out like sunshine. And so the other people are picking it up as well. And then they can bring it out into their spaces. So I get a lot of comments from people who will tell me like, you know, oh, I don't listen to your podcast or TV episodes at night because otherwise I won't be able to sleep because it's like a <laughs> Too well you know, double yeah it's like a double espresso shot you know like I did an interview with Kian Loggi which was just like totally like you know so expressive and just so intense I did an interview with the Unstoppable Family with Rhonda Swan and her family and it was just like I mean we were like laughing on it like we we're on roller coasters it was just there was so much joy in that sense but it's I think coming from a perspective of and Keith Ferrazzi was someone that I met at the Tony Shea Awards last year and at Mindville in 2020, he talks about the idea, and I, I'm completely in alignment with this, of co-elevation, co-creation, and co-collaboration. And if yeah. you're in a space like that, you're not in competition with people. None of that pettiness gets in there. None of that jealousy and envy gets in. And especially because you work a lot of with women and women empowerment. Women can be very, very petty in a lot of places of where they get in that kind of, you know, if they feel like they've been slighted. I think, unfortunately, there's been the scarcity model in, you know, the idea of men. I mean, that's biologically, sure. I think, wired into us of where you want to have the, you know, the high profile, you know, the, the man that that's a scarcity. So women will oftentimes do a lot of, you know, kind of catty and petty things. You're able to kind of undermine each other, et cetera. But if we have an abundance mindset and we come at it from the perspective that there's enough for everybody and that this is an unlimited universe. And so therefore that if there's a man out there for you, it's going to be a man out for you or whatever, you know, floats your boat. Yeah. And 
that you have that concept from that perspective, getting the competition out of it is the most important thing. And I don't want to do business with people who want to compete with me. And I want to be around people that want to edify and uplift me. And at the same time, I want to edify and uplift them. And, you know, Vision actually asked us in one of our premium coaching calls, whether or not we wanted more content on Mind Valley or if we wanted more support. And 85% of us responded that we wanted more support because yeah. even at my level, I need a lot of support from other people. I don't want to be the, the lone wolf doing this by myself in that sense. It's like, I want to have a team and people around me and a community of people who are all like-minded that are all doing freaking amazing things as well. And we don't have to be doing the same thing, but I want to celebrate other people. So being a galactic cheerleader to me means that I'm celebrating other people and then if I find myself triggered in any other space or things like that, then I have to go in and do introspection. So I think it's important that we do our inner work of where if we find ourselves triggered in some sort of a way, we need to see, okay, where did that come from? Like, when was the last time you experienced that? Where is that in your body? And then how can you release it? Because a lot of times those things are really good lessons for us as to where we've hit, as Gay Hendricks talks about, you know, the upper limits where yeah. now it's time for you to stretch your container even more so that you have more capacity for more things. And as all of this stuff is happening. I think by me being so stoked for other people, I don't see that as being the norm. And I wish it was. I wish yeah. it was the norm that we were all literally stoked for each other and we could all be sitting there clapping for each other. And that's something that like, even with my flow coaching or the groups that I've been working with for the last 20 something years, I use Carl Rogers unconditional positive regard as the coaching method. And that's surprising. So even though someone like the people that I'm mentoring for that dream job, it's like, yeah. I will focus on what they did right. What did they do right? Okay, wow, you you went up in this level, you know, 10% or good for you on this and you know, things like that. And really from wherever somebody is, I think a lot of people want to like hold off their happiness when I lose weight, when I stop drinking, when I stop smoking, when I have a boyfriend, when I have people put their happiness off to the future. Yeah. And instead it's starting from where you are at this moment. So, you know, I've, I've had a weight loss journey my whole entire life. It's been like a central theme of that. But coming into acceptance in the sense of where it's like, if I can love myself in this moment and not be in judgment of it, even if I want to change it, then that is the starting point that I can come from. And then by helping other people to give permission on that, you know, because that's been a message for me in a lot of ways, and especially with women in the sense of where, you know, in our society back basically, you know, all the way up until about the eighties, beauty was confined to a very, very specific standard yeah. and you had to conform in a certain thing. And I've always been a size 16, no matter whether or not I you know, had any fat on my bones and a Diane von Furstenberg and some other different designers, I was never going to get the wrap dress because they didn't make it in, in anything higher than a size 14. Right. So those are the things too, in the sense of we're allowing people to celebrate. And I love the fact that, you know, in, the, in society now we become more the United Colors of Benetton. And I love the fact that on my team, I have African-American women and Latina women and Asian women. And it's so amazing because it's diversity that is so completely organic because we're all on a common ground because we're heart-centered conscious entrepreneurs. And we don't see each other as other. We just, it, it's like, it's just, this is like, to me, this is what the global utopia looks like is when we can all work in harmony together and we all honor each other and the different varieties that we you know bring to the table. Because it just makes everything's so much more delicious and more spicy and more amazing. It does truly that, that competition mindset is just horrible. There's no place or space for it in today's day and age. And mm -mm. the sooner nope. we realize that the better off everybody will be. And I mean, the world would be such an incredibly magical place if, if we could yes. get rid of that, that mindset of competition. Yeah. And there's also the, com I, I look at it 
like when I first jumped into entrepreneurship as a photographer, I was always concerned with what everyone else was doing and why are they so far ahead of me and I'm here and they're there and all of that shit. But you can't compare your year one to someone mm-hmm. else's year five. You can't. Yeah. As long as, at least for me, this is, it took me about two years to shift this mindset. But once I did, my whole world opened up. And I believe that if the only person you're in competition with is yourself, that's all that matters. As long as you can see that you've improved over the course of a year, two years, three years, that's what matters. You don't need to compete with anybody else. Let's come together and celebrate and support one another. I think honestly, in my opinion, that's what we're all here for on this planet is to celebrate each other, to support one another, to lean on one another and be there for each other. That's what the human race is all about. Absolutely. And the other part too, is that I think we also have to relinquish the need to be liked by everybody. I think that's the most important part in a sense too. I kind of came up to the mindset that, okay, if I'm working with groups of 40 people, Mm -hmm. if 80 to 85% of them are stoked about what I'm doing, et cetera, I've done a fantastic job. You're not going to please everybody. No. And you have to relinquish the fact that you're not going to be for everybody. Not everybody is going to like you. And that's totally 100% absolutely fabulous because you don't want to be for everybody. Even like you've got a lot of people who are saying the same thing. I mean, I I know that we're not, you know, with a lot of the manifestation coaches and psychotherapists and all sorts of people, you know, around the world, a lot of them have gotten their information from the same place. They just might say it in a different way. They might package it a different way, but somebody might think that, you know, oh, this person, the way they say it speaks to my soul, but the other person is saying the exact same thing, but it's not the package, the way that it it resonates for you. So therefore find the people that are your people that resonate with you and are the ones that are going to be able to feel like you can, you know, like, like you're with them where you almost have this kind of familiarity where you feel comfortable. And that's something of where by having been ostracized and bullied so much in my life, but then to be now embraced by so many people now, it's also because of the fact that I think that there were times of where I actually became, and this is going to sound strange, but when you're ostracized, you become a nobody. But yeah. when you become a nobody, you're then also so not beholden to the mentality of the commune or the pack. And so therefore, from there, I feel like, you know, and I talked about this on this podcast with, with in Dubai, it's like, I almost then became the, the person that I realized that your opinion of yourself is the most important one that you have. For sure. And from there, and if you're not looking constantly out there to, you know, how are people perceiving me? And how is this? And how is that? People get that. And but I think that when you're around someone who's completely actualized, you know, whatever their expression is, those people are magnetic because you see that they have literally figured out who they are. I love the fact that people will tell me, you know, Barbie, you are the emanation of the divine goddess. You are fully embodied with that divine feminine energy. But yet I'm a very strong woman at the same time. I can be very, very feminine yeah. and very you know, receptive, but I'm also emanating this beautiful strength. And because of the fact that I persevered and I have been very resilient over many things. I mean, I've had three near-death experiences. Wow. So that's not a common thing. Yeah. I had a surgery in 2001 where they nicked my intestines and I lost almost 90% of the blood in my body. Like it was literally like, I mean, I wasn't, wasn't coming back. I woke up in a, after surgery, just my whole entire bed was just a pool of blood. And I had to have three blood transfusions. I was in ICU for a week. And, you know, but I realized that those kind of things that you go through, you have to really reevaluate everything in your life. And you think to yourself, okay, well, there's a reason why I didn't, you know, I didn't expire at that time. And then I had E. coli 10 years ago as well, which for most people kills them right away. I was in the hospital for almost a month. had to have five aspirated surgeries because it had created a little fluid sac of E. coli that 
it was, you know, it just kept coming back. So most people don't survive that, but for some reason I did. So therefore that is that masculine part of myself, which is that sheer force and drive and will. But then there's also the receptive part too, where it's like, you know, at this point in my career, it's like all the things that are happening now, they're all coming to me. Whereas before I was rushing to them and I had someone that told me a couple of years ago and said, you know, you've done all this amazing stuff with sheer force and will. What if you just surrendered to the divine and allowed yourself to be assisted along the way? Think about how much more you could accomplish. And with that shift in surrender of where I wasn't getting what I wanted and my life wasn't looking the way that I wanted it to look from that shift in surrender, so many things completely changed to the point of where I have now a thousand percent more of my life, like in a more beautiful space than I could ever have imagined with my little small self that I thought was in control, you know, was like doing things the way that, you know, I was going to get what I wanted. So that surrender is an inside job of where, and that's, again, that's why, you know, I did this course. It's like the opportunity to be able to allow yourself this beautiful, intimate dance with the universe and with this energy of where it's like, I believe it wants to communicate with you. And I think everyone has heard about, you know, guardian angels and things like that. But you have to ask. That's one of those universal laws. They're sitting around all the time going like, I wish that you would just listen to me or ask me for help. And you're not asking for help. So for me, every day I ask, okay, what would you like me to do next? You know, what what can you show me next? That's going to be the next step that I need to do and so on and so forth. And then these amazing things happen of where, you know, I was making jokes in 2021 when I was talking to my, my friend. It was like, you want to hear the miracle of the day today? And it was just like, you know, there was just, we were squealing half the time because he was just so, so mind-blowingly amazing. But yet still, it's like, this is truly my life. And I'm in that whole chrysalis thing. And we're in the sense of where it's like, you know, getting into that butterfly place feels absolutely amazingly fantastic because there are so many people that now resonate at that same frequency of where, you know, they say that it's lonely at the top, but then technically, no, it's just crowded at the bottom. There you go. That's it right there. That's a great way to put it. It, it. Again, it goes back to that whole thing of being open to receiving and listening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times too, and especially for you know the women that you're listening, I know you work with a lot of executives and stuff like that. It's like, I think it's too, being our divine feminine is not weak. We don't have to hyper-masculinize ourselves to be in a man's world either. And I think that's the part about it as well in the sense of where when we're receptive in that, we are actually more powerful than we even know because it allows us to be able to bring that special secret sauce that, you know, by having the different expressions on that, it's the ACDC that ends up allowing the electricity to happen. And so when we bring our own unique flavor to that space, I know that I don't exclusively just work with women's groups. I work with all different groups because to me, it's like, I want to have that ability to be able to impact as many people as possible. And I don't want to limit myself to anything specifically. Yeah. True. Can you talk a little bit about your TV show? Share Absolutely. a little bit about it. Yeah. Yeah. So that actually was so much fun. That was literally 2020 saying yes to the universe. We all know the pandemic, <laughs> almost everything was like, you know, scorched earth, hair on fire for everybody. And so I went to Mind Valley Live 2020, got to meet Vision and Keith Barazzi and Lisa Nichols and a lot of people there in person was really cool. And then of course, 14 days later, the whole world shut down and I was supposed to go to the Best View Expo. And I signed up for that at the Los Angeles Convention Center in March. And so that had been canceled. So, you know, I was still on the mailing list from that. And so Bernardo Moya is actually a pioneer in personal growth and development. He had had 10 years of um, events. Some of them had, you know, 14,000 people in London. I think in 2019 was the last one that he did in person. Really, you know, high top-notch world thought leaders and personal growth people. And so he was the first person ever that did a virtual summit. 
of any kind, like, wow. you know, on Zoom. Yeah. And after that, he was, you know, people copied what he did after that. And now we have lots and lots of those summits. People have, you know, figured out how to, how to make them graceful. But he said, you know, I'm going to do five virtual summits, Dallas, Los Angeles, Dubai, London, and Miami. So there were five okay. of them. And then he said, I'm looking for speakers. And basically you can sign up for all five of them for like, you know, a certain price. And so I called the guy and at that point in time, I'd really been manifesting things. I was in, I think Vishen Lakhiani's premium coaching started in August. So this was in the summer before that. And this is where I was manifesting all these amazing things for people and all this cash flow was coming. So I just was like, I'd already manifested the money. I'm like, no brainer. He does, yes, I'll sign up for this. <laughs> so I signed up for the first one in August. It was mm -hmm. really weird. The, the Zoom didn't work properly. And all of a sudden there was this weird guy sitting in my living room eating Cheetos. And it was just like <laughs> a very, very strange, strange experience because like I haven't been kind of perfected yet. But I talked about extreme gratitude. And in the yeah. pandemic, I had a lot of people emailed me and said that this actually saved their bacon. Like I kept their sanity. And the extreme gratitude goes that you start off with everything that's supporting you around you. So, you know, thank you for my bed. Thank you for my toilet. Thank you for my shower. Thank you for the water company that's keeping the water on. Thank you for my internet company. Thank you for my, my, you know, my stove that cooks my food. Thank you to my dishwasher. Thank you to my fridge, my car, whatever it is, because those are all things that we really, really take for granted. But there's that, you know, that whole group of people that are, you know, keeping your internet on that you don't see them. They're nameless and faceless and voiceless to you. So they're right. all doing that and they're keeping that for you to be supported. And then after that, you go into, you know, animals, children, people, whatever else that you want to. But what I found is that a lot of times by doing that extreme gratitude, by going down to the brass tacks, people after the 15th or the 20th thing, they started to realize how much they had around them. And they were able to kind of oh, decompress a little bit, relax and say, oh my gosh, you know, I'm safe at home. I have what I need. I've got DoorDash delivery, or I've got grocery delivery, you know, thank the 300 hands that brought this food to my table, like mm -hmm. the Native Americans do, just all this kind of stuff of where you're staying in a gratitude space, even though you're losing your mind, because of all this stuff that's happening around you, and everything's completely uncertain. So your amygdala is going like crazy, your, your reptilian brain, right? So that was something that ended up being fan feedback was so strong on that, that literally, if you Google barbulaton.com, I'm like at the top thing there on an SEO for Google. And I went from the side stage to the main stage within six months Holy where I was shit. on stage, the main stage with Lisa Nichols and Ken Honda, because my name became ubiquitous and vision oftentimes on live calls was looking at, you know, he allowed me to advertise that I was on the best expos and he promoted me a lot. So I think okay. the Mind Valley community, I really appreciate them for that because I think they're the ones that really, because he endorsed me. You know, I think they were all flocking to the Bescue Expo to sign up for these, you know, free tickets. Right. And then the technology continued to get better. And then the thing that was insane too, is that because I was now being put up in Dubai, they ended up canceling that event, but I had thousands and thousands of Middle Eastern followers on my Facebook page. They actually shut my Facebook page down for like three <laughs> weeks because they thought I was being spammed. They were like, I had like 10,000 people waiting to be on my list. <laughs> and what shit. was crazy was that I found that most of these people worked at facebook.com. So there's 55,000 employees internationally around that work for Facebook itself in the different countries. Right. So obviously they had been sending my picture around and I found out that I got on some, I don't know, most beautiful list or something internationally, yeah. which I was like, okay, in my 50s, I'll take, I'll that. take that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. Okay. That's, that's crazy, but okay. So I had all of these beautiful women that were from Saudi Arabia with the most gorgeous makeup and these beautiful outfits and people in Iran and Syria and 
Ethiopia. I mean, I just, I had fans from all over the world. I was so enjoyed for having that. And so then the Best You TV, it came out and said, okay, we're doing this platform for the Best You TV in February. So I got that signed up for that. You know, I'd had a correspondence friendship with Naveen Jain, who works with SpaceX. I emailed him and just said, you know, I'm doing this TV show. I would love to have you as my guest. He's a sage. He is a mystic. He is one of the most intensely amazing human beings on this planet. I love him. And he does his own, you know, emailing. He doesn't go uh -huh. through a PR person, no gatekeeper. And he said, wow. absolutely, I'll be there. So I, I had a billionaire as my first guest on May 31st, 2021. And then Ken Honda came on that afternoon and we brought in a panel of eight people for them to ask questions of him. And he was booked for an hour, but he loved the show so much that he's like, oh no, no, it's okay. You know, you can stay, you know, you can have me for another hour if you'd like. And I was like, wow, that was so Holy. nice. But Ken, and I mean, you can go back to the Best You TV show and you can watch this interview. It was the most beautiful thing because again, with this co-collaboration thing, I was telling him about my Oma and how, you know, I feel like she would be proud of me. Or he said, your, yeah. your grandmother must be really proud of you that the whole world is falling in love with you, Barbie. And I was like, wow. I mean, it was like just, you know, for being the bullied kid who was ostracized and treated like crap and all this other kind of stuff to have now finally, like my rose petals have now finally unfolded. It's like, yeah. I'm finally being seen for like who I truly am. And, and what I love is the fact that people will tell me that they see Ken Hanna on other interviews and they're like, oh, he's not the same on the other, other interviews. <laughs> and it's because I feel like my energy, my divine feminine brings out the best in my guests. I feel like I, you know, I have these fireside chats with them, kind of like what you're creating here with me. It's like, it's this yeah. intimate space that's created where it's not Okay, I have here's your book, here's your thing. Okay, where can people get it? Where can they sign up? Blah blah blah. blah. It's it's not a business transaction. It's no. a I want to get deep into the into the essence of who you are. And so I appreciate the fact that people have told me that my shows really resonate with them because they see a different side of people who are, you know, well known for being a particular way. And even like Dr. John Demartini, I'm blessed that they selected me to be in his documentary in May. So I flew to Houston to do that. That's coming out in 2023. And I really, you know, bonded with him. He's an incredible human being. But I love the fact that we had this chat about, you know, his, his ex-wife who passed away. I love to play with fashion with wigs and, and eyelashes and <laughs> different things. And I wear like retro 1950s dresses. And then I wear love couture, it. I wear this. It's like, I just love to experiment with all those things. And I like to help my clients kind of break out of the mold of their static stuff too. But he was sharing that his ex-wife uh, wrote for Vogue. And sometimes she would change her hair pieces or her wigs like to a different color two to three times a day. And then he said that he never knew who he was coming home to, but that I was really hot. <laughs> and I was like, you know, that's not a conversation that's going to be on any of the other conversations no. that he's having with other people. But it was because he knew I like to play with wigs and different things like that. Because when I did the movie with him, I had my natural hair, which I'm totally not, you know, I'm totally cool with that too. But then when he saw me, I was wearing a blonde wig for the interview. So it was yeah. just, it's, a, it's that fun thing where it's like, it's that true rapport with different people that you're connecting with. So that's as a result, right. now I have two seasons. I've had over 45 episodes. The co-founder of Mind Valley, Christina Monlachiani, just did an interview with me. Dame Doria Cordova, who discovered wow. Tony Robbins, who's a legend. I mean, I feel so blessed because I have these amazing world thought leaders who are changing the world. And, you know, they're, they did the show with little old me. And when I'm sitting there on May 31st, waiting for Naveen to show, that was my one moment of doubt where I was like, why is this billionaire going to come talk to me on my little show? Nobody even knows who I am. And then poof, there he is. And we, you know, we chatted for like almost two hours. And then Ken Honda's there two hours later. And 
that was a magical day. That was a totally okay. magical day. It's an energetic exchange. It's a genuine yes. conversation. It's an energetic. It's not your typical, like you said, this interview where, oh, here, let's promote your book. Let's promote your TV show. Let's promote this. Let's promote yes. that. All that shit. It's a genuine, authentic connection. And the most important thing for me that was really meaningful was the fact that July 5th, 2001 was when I had the surgery that I almost died with losing all that blood in my body. Yeah. And my show actually debuted on July 5th, 2021. It was 20 years to the day Holy of having shit. almost perished to have this new thing that I completely birthed and to, to acknowledge myself as how far I had come after yeah. that, you know, that harrowing experience was like, that was really, really meaningful for me. The rebirth of Barbie. Yes. Love it. So with you being so big in a manifestation, what is one tip or takeaway that listeners can implement immediately to start shifting their mindset and incorporating manifestation into their lives? Because, you know, you hear, so you hear like people say that it's not just a matter of speaking it out into the universe and things you want in your life will happen. There's more to it than that. There is, but in a simplified way, I'm also what I call the hue ambassador. So the self edge frequencies are the natural tones of the universe and 528 hertz is the sound of love, DNA, and miracles. And so it's something I even wrote an article in the Best You magazine about, you know, the tone that frequency that billionaires listen to in the morning. So the way it goes, you use your body or you, you use your own body as a, as a tuning fork, or you can go onto YouTube and you can find 528 hertz, just Google it, 528HZ, okay. yep. and they can find live streams, they can find different things like that. But I like to personally do it myself and you don't really need to listen to it more than 20 minutes, but you can have it in the background, but it sounds like this. And if you imagine the kahunas in the Hawaiian nations, Samoa and other places like that, that giant conch shell that they put up and they do when they're trying to communicate with yourself. If you're out in the middle of the Swiss Alps, you've got the Ricola with the yeah. you've got the trumpet, you've got the ram's head that they do, you know, in, in the temples. There are all sorts of things of where we put that tone out and it blasts out negative energy. So therefore it's something of where I would recommend to your viewers that if they want to incorporate this miracle tone, 528 Hertz into their lives, somehow, like I said, totally for free, toning it or listening to it on a track that within 30 days that you start to look for miracles, you start to look for little magical things that start to happen that just kind of like shift. And it can be a small thing. Like, you know, you get a free coffee or you have yeah. this happen or that happen. But that to me is one of the most important things because every single, you know, every thousand mile journey begins with a step. And that's a step that enables you to be able to then get to that next, next step too. So every client that I take on, the first thing I have them do is that 30 days of the hue that they need to bring into their lives. And it's an ancient tone. That's actually, if you look it up, it's an ancient spaces throughout history in all different languages, all different cultures. Well, thank you very much for sharing that, Barbie. I appreciate that. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? Again, what I went to before that I think I shared in the sense of where it's like, when you've seen the worst of humanity and you've mm -hmm. seen the best of humanity, you can love humanity for where they are. That Beautiful. is to me, I think one of the most liberating things possible because a lot of times people's behaviors are things that you don't like, but it doesn't mean that you don't like the person. Right. And I think also with the fact that I think a lot of people who are, especially in the spiritual realm, it's like, I think they aspire to being this beautiful, you know, perfect human being and that kind of stuff. But then sometimes the 3d comes in and then 
you know, it ends up being about the money or it ends up being about this and about that, but being in a state of forgiveness in the sense of where it's like allowing that person to have their humanity and ultimately, but then from yourself, you decide whether or not you want to continue being in business with that person or not, because when they show you who they are, then when you are aware of that and then you continue to do that or allow yourself to be taken advantage in that sense, then that's on you. You know, my whole thing is that I've kind of looked also a lot at kind of like the universality of fairy tales. And I feel in a lot of ways like Cinderella, because despite all the mistreatment and things like that from before, my heart always stayed pure. And by having the pure heart, I feel like you get the keys to the kingdom. You get everything that you want, because ultimately you never allowed yourself to become jaded, bitter, or cynical, because those are the three most ugly things that people can wear in their bodies. For sure. I was just going to say a lot of people will become jaded, right? So to remain pure and to remain in that love is the key for sure. Yes. Barbie, what does the word empowerment mean to you? I think it's stepping into the golden avatar, the most beautiful version of yourself. And by giving it and modeling and demonstrating it, that you're gifting it to yourself, you allow yourself to be able to give that to others. Because that's something of where, you know, we have this whole concept about bragging about we don't Mm want to have people brag. But, you know, when I listen to Naveen Jane talk about, you know, working with SpaceX and Elon Musk, and he's like the only person on the planet that actually has the permission to put robots on the moon. I mean, like he's the only person on this planet. Like those are what they call big, hairy, audacious goals. I want to hear more and more things that people have accomplished because it's like that, you know, four minute mile that ended up being broken. And then all of a sudden, all these other people were were breaking it too. We need to be able to celebrate each other's wins without feeling like somehow that there's nothing wrong with being humble, but to be falsely humble because you don't want to be perceived as arrogant either, I think is a disservice because ultimately people want to hear about the things that you've accomplished because then it allows them. And that's that empowerment part. It allows them to be empowered for themselves to go out after whatever it is, because my whole goal is that if, if you can see me doing it, then so can you. For sure. But that's a very fine line between celebrating your, your wins and celebrating your accomplishments and ego driven celebration. Right. So it's just knowing that line. That's all. That's, that's the thing. I think we need to celebrate our wins more. We don't celebrate ourselves. We don't celebrate our wins enough in this world. I agree. I want to jump into the little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions, just be two, three word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. What was your dream job as a child? Psychologist. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Be kind to everyone that you meet. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Love. How would you describe yourself in one word? Unstoppable. At what time of the day do you get your best work done? Mid-morning. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? My heart. What is your favorite self-care practice? Meditation. And that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. (laughs) (laughs) What aspect of your personality do you think has been most helpful in your career, Barbie? If you're old enough for this, do you remember the Weeble Wobbles? Yep, I do. (laughs) I'm a Weeble Wobble. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. I have been kicked down, kicked down, and kicked down, and kicked down. And each time I get back up, I dust myself up, and I keep going. And I'll come back. I'll come back even harder. Weevils. Well, I haven't heard that in so long. (laughs) Yeah. And and for those of you guys don't know, they're the little egg shaped little dudes that, you know, you basically, they will just kind of spin around. Yeah. Um, But you could flick them over, but they would never, you could never keep them down. You just flick them over and they'd bounce right back up. Yep. That's right. (laughs) And so resilience is important. Absolutely. For sure. In the last year, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Having an abundance mindset and believing that there's enough for everybody. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? 
I would speak to Marilyn Monroe because I would want to know in the sense of where there were so many things about her that were so deep and intellectual, but she mm-hmm. was only kind of seen to be the bimbo and the the sex symbol on the outside. So I would love to know like how she managed the two together. And I think if she had continued to live that she would have had the opportunity to be able to do both. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Your being weird is now your superpower as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, Barbie, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, like your tribe, your corner of the world, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? I think it would be the, that the biggest gift that you can give to the world is to be able to unpack and find out who is the authentic self that is within you and then live from that place. Beautiful. Barbie, thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here today and chat with me. It has been such an incredibly beautiful conversation. You are a true inspiration. Keep shining your bright, beautiful light and out into the world. It's you're an amazing human being and I am so grateful for you and to be connected with you and to have had this time to sit down and chat with you. And I'm honored to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. So thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. And this was a really good opportunity. And I hope that the people that are in your community, I hope that they'll pull out some nuggets for themselves so that they can go out and allow themselves to be the best versions of themselves as well. I have no doubt that they will. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Barbie Layton. She is an energy healer, an international best-selling author, a galactic cheerleader, and a motivational speaker. Barbie, thank you so much. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. You too. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.